Good morning. Buenos dias. Um, merci beaucoup. No? How do you say it in uh, Creole? Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Uh, what other language can we say good morning in? Huh? What? Aloha. Aloha. Oh, I, Tagalog? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, there's uh we, we can come up with all kinds, right? <laughs> that just sounded funny, Ray. But, uh, yeah, now you, now you know. So if you don't have the gift of tongues, just come to refuge and... <laughs> What? Bom dia. Portuguese. Oh, Portuguese. Okay. Awesome. Well, good morning. Just in English. Just good morning. Yeah. Welcome to Refuge. I'm excited to get into uh, Mark chapter 10 this morning. We're going to be going over uh, the final portion of this chapter. Um, I broke it down in such a way to where we would... And conclude this chapter, that way we're left with the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem um, for the next time we gather together. Um, you know, remember that, that Jesus had set his face to Jerusalem uh, for the fulfillment of his whole purpose for coming, and that was to go to the cross. And we were reminded of that this morning as... Um, my son Isaac uh, gave the devotion for communion, and we were reminded that, that in Christ, as he went to the cross, we in him know victory over our sin, as it was his shed blood that atoned for our sin. Uh, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sin. This was the whole purpose why Jesus came. And so he is on his way to Jerusalem, and we'll see in these verses how it is that he, he paused in Jericho and he dealt with something that for us, I pray, would be significant as we allow God to do a wonderful work in our hearts this morning. So let's begin by reading in Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. It says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately... He recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Oh, Father, may we, Lord, have first and foremost a faith that Jesus is the Son of God, the one who died a substitutionary death in our place to atone for our sin. Lord, that three days after having been buried, he was raised from the dead. And Lord, in him, we know the forgiveness of our sins, the victory that we have, Lord, in him, over the sting of sin and, and death. Lord, may we have that faith. And Lord, knowing that with you all things are possible. Lord, that we in our hearts reflect gratitude as I'm sure this blind beggar came to experience in his day. I pray, Lord, that the same would be true of us today. 
And so we commit this time into your hands, Lord. We ask that you would speak to us, minister to us as only you can, that your spirit would teach us, give us understanding of your word, and lead us in all truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was John the Baptist who was preparing the people for the Savior, for the entrance of the Savior, the revealing of the Savior. He was, at that point, we know John the Baptist was preaching a baptism of repentance. John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as he saw Jesus coming to him, as he was baptizing others in the Jordan at this very moment, at that moment when he cried out and said and confessed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he knew in that very moment exactly who he was. John also said later in John chapter 3, verse 30, He must increase, but I must decrease. But John was also the one that wanted to make sure Jesus was indeed who he said he was. I find that interesting because perhaps sometimes we find ourselves in the same place. We at one moment have confessed Jesus and then the next moment or on down the road as far as our walks with the Lord is concerned, we we have certain doubts or certain concerns, certain worries that overwhelm us. Well, Just know that the Lord loves you with an everlasting love and that he is faithful. He is trustworthy. And in those moments, he will meet us. And he will reveal to us once more that he is indeed who he said he is. And he is able to save and to keep you. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 18 is the account of that line of questioning for John the Baptist. In verse 18, it says, The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind received their sight The lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Hey, listen, we can all agree that we uh, today live in a world full of people walking around offended easily, right? Gone are the days to where we can talk straight with each other, it seems, right? To be blunt and honest. To tell you when you have something right here. To reveal basically that which is obvious. But I am so glad that God has not drawn back. Uh, He speaks to us directly. Clearly, of course, he is a stumbling stone to those who do not believe, but he is the very cornerstone and the foundation, the rock upon which we can stand for those who believe and trust in him. In a world full of people walking around offended easily, Jesus calls out to all to believe and to follow And to not be offended by him. He made that very clear as he answered those that were sent by John the Baptist to ask, Are you the one? Are we to look for another? Well, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
There, there is no other name by which we can be saved. There's no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That is narrow-minded to the world. That is an offense to the world, to the intellect of the world, the philosophy of the world. That is an absolute offense that you would declare, that you would state that Jesus is the only way to God. And yet, that is true. You see, Jesus desires all to fully trust and rely on him, knowing that it's only through Jesus that we know salvation, that we know the forgiveness of our sins. Otherwise, the work on the cross would be of no avail. It would be worth nothing. Why would the Father have sent the Son to die on the cross on our behalf if it meant nothing? Could have done that with anyone else. Jesus desires that we fully trust him and we rely on him. Uh, to not be offended is to not be angered or, or shocked by him, ashamed of his word and the truth of his word. And church, I must say that the church itself needs to grow a backbone we must possess some internal fortitude, some strength, some conviction. Not being wishy-washy, uh, not being a, uh, someone that doesn't have conviction. Kind of just goes along to get along. You need to know your word. You need to know the God that you profess to love and, and follow. You must stand in the truth. We, as a church, must be in that place, in that position, and be unmovable. To be anything other than that is no failure. And to actually reflect that we are ashamed, that we are offended by the very truth that we claim to stand on. Then it's easy to fall away. It's easy to be deceived. It's easy to be distracted when we don't. We sometimes act as if his very word is scandalous to us. At the very name of Christ, we, we sometimes say we believe, depending on whose company we're in, and, and sometimes we're we turn and we act differently as if we never knew him, as if we were Peter denying him three times. How many times have we denied him by the manner in which we conduct ourselves in the midst of others? Hey, listen, Jesus is scandalous to the world because he is truth and he is against the world's desires and intentions because he stands in truth, because he is truth. And this is why they want Jesus and his followers to simply go away. But how about you? Do you desire to stand with people who have conviction? A people who stand on the truth of God's word. Who are unshakable, unwavering, immovable, steadfast. Oh, come what may. Jesus is Lord. He's my Savior. He is the one whom I follow. And I unashamedly follow him, denying myself and walk with him. Why? Because I owe him everything. He paid for me. Why would you cry out to Jesus to help you? Why would you cry out to him to fix anything, to heal you? We have a blind beggar here. A blind beggar who was crying out to Jesus to have mercy on him. And Jesus did indeed heal this man. 
But we need to ask ourselves, why did Jesus heal him? There was a purpose for everything. You know, there's a purpose for your life. I, I was just asked to go teach at Calvary Chapel, Ontario on Thursday. It was for Pastor Mike, who at this very moment is going through chemotherapy. You know that he can draw people to him that wouldn't otherwise be available to him just because he's going through what he's going through? You have opportunities. You know, sometimes we say, just as the Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And, you know, we, that's one of those statements that we make. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, yeah? Even if God were to allow you to go through something that was extremely difficult, would you then internalize that? Would you then take that and... and claim the victim or turn your attention upon yourself or, or remember to live as Christ or would you use that very situation and circumstance and understand that God is now bringing to you people who would not otherwise come to you so that you can testify of who he is because that's to live as Christ Oh, church, again, we need to grow a backbone. We need to be strengthened. It's not about me, myself, and I. It's all about the Lord. It's all about Him. Why did Jesus heal this blind beggar? Why does Jesus heal today? What does Jesus desire from us? What should our response be to Christ when he does do something for us? Has he done something for you lately? Think about it. Has he provided, protected? How did you get here? He's given you another day. Has he done something for you? Do you acknowledge him for he is praiseworthy of everything that's good? And what are you doing with it? He helps us through difficult situations, events, circumstances. What should our response be? You know, the title of the message this morning is Get Up and Follow. We're going to learn what that means. Get up and follow. We see, first of all, how it was that this blind beggar called out to Jesus Again, going back to Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. It says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. First of all, we see him calling out. Uh, from what we have read and know, this blind beggar was a common roadside figure. It, uh, you know, the blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, Bar Timaeus. He's the one that you can expect as we come around this corner right here on our way to Jerusalem, that he'll be sitting just off to the side and he'll be begging. They all knew him by name. They all knew his father. This man knew where the greatest amount of people traffic would flow so that he could beg and garner financial support from others because he did not have the capacity to work or support himself because of his physical ailment. His blindness held him back from being able to be productive. And here was this blind beggar who heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming. And he heard that he was passing by. 
he unashamedly began to, to cry out. He wasn't timid or quiet about how he called out to Jesus. He began to cry out. Again, just church, I know know that we are um, aware of how we worship publicly. But we've been taught to not bring unnecessary attention upon ourselves, right? We understand uh, how it is that all, all attention and, and, and everything should be placed on the Lord, that we shouldn't be distractions, right? Amongst and within public worship. But let me tell you that I, I do appreciate how it is that uh, we are being stretched here at Refuge. We're used to, perhaps, I don't know what, there's, there's different churches that uh, you've come from, right? If you have any Calvary Chapel background, then you know that uh, the first two songs, you stand up, right? And you pray. And then after that is the offering, right? And then we have three more songs sitting down, Right? And then after that's announcements, and then you have the message. And that's normally the flow of how it goes. Well, what you've been encouraged to do is to, sure, you can sit down for the offering, to pray, but you're encouraged to stand back up. It's like, oh, man. Again, I've been standing up for two songs. (laughs) And then to be asked to, to stand again, well, just know this. We're not telling you, the church is, you're not being told to stand up. You don't have to stand up if you don't want to stand up. You know, you can sit down, right? But you're being challenged. You're being encouraged. Yeah, listen, break out of that a bit. If you desire to stand up, stand up. If you desire to lift your hands up, lift your hands up. If you desire to say amen, I know that's a little charismatic and crazy. There you go. Say amen. After, um, what was the first song? Then it wasn't that. That was, it was the second one. I love you, Lord. You will deliver my soul from death, my feet from stumbling, and I will walk in the land of the living. Oh my gosh, I, I just, it's like, I don't know if it's a spirit or my flesh that's like holding me back at the end. I just want to cry out, Amen! <laughs> right? One day we will be in the land of the living. We walk among the dead. Today. One day we will live in God's glory. Yes. And amen. We should be excited about that. It should be expressed. This blind beggar, do you believe that you're anything other than a blind beggar? We are spiritually without Christ bankrupt. We have nothing. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot sustain ourselves. We cannot keep ourselves. Jesus is everything. We, I believe, are too timid. We're quiet. We're held back. We're reserved to the point to where I don't, I don't want to bring distraction to Hey, listen, this is not going to bring distraction to you. If everyone's doing it, you know, whoever felt, uh, feels led to lift your hands to the Lord and praise him. Now, if you fall on the ground and start wiggling, we might start doing CPR on you or something. But, you know, that's going to, yeah, that's, you know, you know the line you cross, 
right? Or start doing the worm, you know. But we need to, we, we need to look to Scripture. This, uh, this blind beggar knew. And he was not timid or quiet about calling out to Jesus. He began to cry out. I was reminded of Joel chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Our God is truly wonderful. You know, outwardly, we can, we can rend our clothes. Rending clothes was a, um, an, an outward expression of blasphemy or of, of grief, of, um, of deep mourning, uh, of something that was just devastating. And yet the Lord says, I don't desire the rending of the clothes. I desire the rending of the heart. That your heart would be torn. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, these you will not despise. Do we believe as the, this man did that and know that we, are, that we are nothing, that we are beggars before a holy and righteous God, that he offers everything? You see, this man was a desperate man. He was expressing his distress, his pain, his sorrow, and his intense desire for Jesus to have mercy on him. C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, The Lord's mercy often rides to the door of our heart upon the black horse of affliction. Close quote. For this blind beggar, his affliction seemed permanent to him, inescapable. The question for the people that were there with Jesus, the, the whole group, there was a mass of people that were following him. They were probably asking what, what this man wanted. They probably knew the answer to that question, because why was he on the roadside to begin with? It was to ask for alms, right? Ask for a little money. Is that what he was going to ask Jesus for? At this point, this is exactly what you would have expected. He would ask, just like he had begged for all the previous days, he was at the roadside at that very moment begging for money. But what we need to note is how this blind beggar was referring to to Jesus of Nazareth, he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. As he cried out, he called out to Jesus saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. To him, it wasn't just Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, son of David. This man unashamedly in that moment confessed that Jesus was the prophesied Messiah, the Savior who was promised by referring to him as the son of David. Oh, you, you are the one that was prophesied about. You are the Messiah, the son of David. By the way, this is the only time that Jesus is referred to in this way in the Gospel of Mark. He's referred to this way twice. Significant. As Jesus nears Jerusalem. Jericho not being too far from Jerusalem now. And Jesus is going there to be crucified. So if this man knew, believed, and was confessing that Jesus was the son of David, the Messiah, then perhaps, perhaps, the mercy he was crying out for Jesus to have on him, perhaps at that very moment, as he confessed that he was a son of David, perhaps it wasn't money. 
but for something that would be impossible for anyone else to provide for this blind beggar. There are things others can do for us, many things that we can do for each other. But there's one thing that only God can do that's of greatest importance and many other things that it's impossible for each other to do for each other. The question for us is, do we believe this? Do you call out to Jesus? And when you call out to him, what do you ask for? Do you know him? Because our questions actually change. Our requests change. As, as you get into God's word and you know him and you know what pleases him, our, our prayers change. You know, at, at one point when I didn't know him, I would say, oh, Lord, give me a nice 5,000 square foot home at least. Um, I don't know. Bugatti, uh, nice rolls, you know, for, I, I don't know, just all those things. You know, the world asks for those things. They do. But they don't know him. But how many other things? I, you may not be praying for a, a, a maybe a 10,000 square foot home. I don't know. Something in Idaho. Oklahoma. Uh, not Oklahoma. Um, You know, but you ask for things, right? And maybe our prayers are not like that, not at that extreme, right? Extreme as in worldly, but they're pretty close. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Are you content with that? Because when we get to know the Lord, we start asking and praying in alignment with his word. And we're fine with whatever he gives us in that, in that way. Do you believe that he can when you call out to him? Call out and then get up. Call out and then get up. Verse 48, as we continue, it says, And many rebuked him, that is, the blind beggar, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Oh, he got up all right, right? This man was rebuked by those around him who heard him crying out to Jesus. Now it's not just the disciples who are rebuking someone uh, that has really no status in society from gaining access to Jesus. But many, the, the multitudes at this point were joining in. And they were quite literally telling them, hey, shut up. Be quiet. But he paid them no attention. It says he cried out all the more. Uh, when we're told to shut up, be quiet, calm down, now, now, you know. What do we do when the world is telling us that? Do, do, we, uh, do we bear down a little more? <laughs> do we cry out all the more? No, I know my God. I, I know him. I, I know his character. I know what he desires according to the word of God. And no, I'm going to cry out all the more. I'm going to keep seeking him. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep asking according to his will. I am not going to give up. That's what this, this guy showed some incredible character. Some qualities that perhaps we can learn from and possess ourselves. He was tenacious. No, he cried out all the more. Why? Because he knew who was passing by. It wasn't no ordinary man. Jesus, son of David. This man did not doubt when he was rebuked and told to stop. In fact, he stated a second time, just as clearly as he did the first time, that he desired mercy from the only one that could provide true, everlasting mercy, the son of David. 
He wasn't asking anyone else. Oh, uh, if he doesn't give it, can you give me mercy or, or you or you or you? No. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And at this, Jesus stopped and called for him, telling his disciples to go to him and tell him to come. And they did. Uh, this, is, this is something significant. You know, think about what Jesus does. Jesus, as he walked this earth, would have people, uh, and he allowed them to, to come to him. To come. He called, but it was up to them to come, right? When he called the apostles, they had to then choose Jesus and come to him. This blind beggar, yeah, Jesus was going by, but he was passing by when he got, when he called out to him. And then he, and then he told his disciples, go and call him. By the way, these guys didn't go pick him up. It doesn't say that they led him to Jesus. They just called to the blind man. They basically said, hey, cheer up, get up, he's calling you. Remember how he was crying out to Jesus? It wasn't just a, a simple, quiet, wishful request. This was, this was a, a, a man who in his heart was desperate. Who was crying out in distress, pleading that Jesus have mercy on him. Bartimaeus was not presumptuously expecting to receive what he was asking for, demanding that because he knew Jesus could heal that he, and that he would do so immediately. Do it, do it now. I know that you can, so I'm, I'm claiming it. This is what I'm expecting. You do it right now. But he was humble in how he approached Jesus because he did know that he could if he willed. Well, just to know that Jesus, the son of David, was calling Bartimaeus, he threw his outer garment off, jumped up, and went to where Jesus was. Imagine, he was a blind man. He went to where the voice was. He went to where he knew he was. He could not see physically, but the moment he heard, hey, cheer up, hey, get up, he's calling you, <laughs> threw off that outer garment, and he went to Jesus. Uh, interesting, interesting is I think about how anyone is, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, the old has passed away, behold, all has become new, right? Um, the old man is reckoned dead. And we are new in Christ. We have a new heart, a new desire, a new perspective, a new hope, a new purpose. Well, this man may have been blind physically, but he wasn't, he wasn't blind spiritually. The outer garment flew off. And he made a beeline for, for Jesus. Here was this pathetic blind beggar being the center of Jesus' attention. Stopping the whole crowd that was following him to address him. The man who was sitting along the roadside begging for money is now standing before the Son of God and about to again beg for mercy. He was given that place. You see, God wishes that no one should perish, but that everyone would reach repentance. If Jesus were to call out for you to come to him, how would you respond? How have you responded? Do you know who's passing by? Do you know who's calling out to you? What has been your response? D.L. Moody said this, quote, Some people think that God does not like to be troubled with our constant coming and asking. 
The way to trouble God is not to come at all, close quote. Well, this blind, pathetic beggar unashamedly called out to Jesus, and Jesus heard and called for him, and this man got up. Now what? Call out, get up, and follow. Verse 51, and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now, we need to note something very important. If it wasn't true that Jesus was the son of David, then Jesus would have corrected this man, but he did not correct this man, for he was the son of David. He is the son of David. He did not correct him. He did not rebuke him. He did not rend his clothes, showing that this was blasphemy. Because it wasn't. But Jesus just simply asked him a question. Again, interesting. One could have assumed that this man desired money, some kind of relief, but his faith in Jesus was beyond the material. Already having addressed Jesus as the son of David, as the Messiah. And Jesus asked this man, what do you want me to do for you? And the man answered, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. You know, Thomas had been walking with Jesus for some time. And there's a reason why we know, you know, if we call someone doubting Thomas, we know, okay, so there are doubters. They uh, question everything, right? Well, in John 20, 29, this was the moment that Jesus appeared to Thomas. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Have you seen enough? Have we seen enough? Do we know enough to where we, without a shadow of a doubt, can cry to, out to God and know that he not only hears us, but he desires to answer us and in a way that, that is good and is fitting? Do we know that we can trust in him? Well, the way this man referred to Jesus is expressing uh, a, a, a trust, uh, a submission to him as Lord and Master, as he referred to him as Rabbi. It was an expression of humble submission toward Jesus. In that very moment, he ran to him, but at the same time, he humbly was asking for mercy. Lord, Master, Son of David. Initially, this man's prayer was for mercy. But when he was confronted directly by Jesus, he gave him something more detailed. He asked for a sight. And he got it. D.L. Moody said, quote, God doesn't expect the impossible from us. He wants us to expect the impossible from him. What this man didn't realize is that he could see more than others could. Although he was blind physically, he could already see more than many of the others could see. He could see what was most important, you see, by faith, He was already seeing, knowing, understanding, receiving, believing that Jesus was the Son of David, the Messiah, the Savior. O Lord and Master, how did he confess that without having faith, without believing, trusting, going to him for mercy? He was already in that, confessing a trust in who he said he was. Remember that Jesus had sent word to John the Baptist, going back to that story, when he inquired as to whether he was the Messiah or not, telling them to tell John of all the miraculous healings they witnessed and know that he is the Messiah. There's no one else to look for. There's salvation in no one else. There's no other way 
to the Father except through Jesus. He is the Savior of the world. John, when you said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that was true. Jesus can do what is impossible with men, but what does he desire of us? Well, I remind you of what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. In calling out to the crowd to him, and calling to the crowd, uh, calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul?" For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Well, this man called out, got up, confessed who Jesus is, believed, trusted in him, asked for mercy. And then he did something truly wonderful in that moment, just as Jesus had said in what we just read. Denied himself, took up his cross, and he desired to follow him because Jesus instantaneously, instantaneously healed this man, telling him, hey, listen, your faith has made you well. Go your way. You know, Jesus this morning, the Lord is telling you this morning the very same thing. He's done so much with each and every one of you. And he says, go your way. Go your way. What is your way? Go your way. You go your way. Go. You, we all have choices, right? We can choose. Go your way. Well, this man, when it was possible for him to see physically see where he went, where he walked, the path that he took. He chose to follow Jesus. At that very moment, when Jesus said, go your way, this man's way became Jesus' way. Wherever you go, I'll go. Whatever you do, I'll do. Where you are, I want to be. I want to bless and honor you. I, my whole life is owed to you and no one else. Mercy is in your hands. Grace is in your hands. My hope is in you and you alone. I'll follow you. I will deny myself. I will take up my cross and I will follow you. Even to the cross. We cannot forget something that Jesus was going to the cross. Oftentimes, we'll, we're willing to follow Jesus all the way just to the foot of the cross, but not to the cross. We must follow all the way. Jesus was physically in Jericho in this moment, but in a short time, he'll be in Jerusalem, and he'll be going to the cross. Are we willing to surrender our lives to him completely. Dying with him in knowing a resurrected life in Christ. We belong to him completely or we don't belong to him at all. Call out, get up, and follow. Do you believe? You see, this morning, for anyone who doesn't know salvation in Christ... Salvation is, is always reaching out to you. Sin separates us from God, but it's the forgiveness of our sins that we know through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we can know God's grace. We can know forgiveness. We can know salvation. Do you believe? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? If you're here, you don't know salvation. You haven't known God's forgiveness and I pray at this very moment, at this very moment, you can ask God for forgiveness and no salvation. You see, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not by works, lest any man should boast. 
This man confessed a belief in Jesus Christ and he denied himself and completely surrendered his life to Christ. Will you today? In a sense, Jesus is passing by. Will you call out to him as Lord and Savior and will you make his way your way? Knowing salvation in his name and believing that in him you know the hope of heaven. The blind beggar didn't have a second chance to call out to Jesus. I ask you this morning, is that how you look at this very moment? Is that how you sense it? Is that how you perceive it? Because tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Our next moments are not promised to us. Just going by. Will you cry out to him? Will you confess him? Will you respond with gratitude? Crying out to him? Getting up and following him? Denying yourself? Picking up your cross and following him? Will you do that today? Father, we ask that you would help us. Lord, is perhaps you have something right now that you're bringing to our minds that needs to be dealt with. Pray, Lord, that we would lay that before you, that we wouldn't hang on to anything that would prevent us from completely surrendering our lives to you. Pray that we would confess and repent. I also, Lord, other than salvation for anyone who has not surrendered their lives to you, I I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen your church. And, Lord, that we would choose to get up and follow you. That we would not hold back, Lord, that we would not be reserved in the manner in which we live our lives for your glory. That we would be unashamed of declaring and confessing that we belong to you and we live for you and you alone. And so, Lord, fill us with your spirit. Give us strength and courage. Stir us up. Oh, Lord, stir up that passion that we may live for you with great zeal and great energy, Lord, all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.